The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11, and we are going to camp out here for most of the message. So get your Bibles ready. Now, in this message, in this Sync series, Josh has been talking to us about how we can hear the voice of God, how as children of God, as born-again believers, we are born again with the innate ability to hear God's voice. And he's been talking to us about the different ways in which we can do that. We can open our Bibles, we can read scripture, and when we read the written word of God, God will speak to us through his word. He wants to speak to our spirits. The Holy Spirit will speak to our spirit, and then we'll, we'll get that in our mind, and we can hear the voice of God. It almost sounds like us. It's a thought that we have, but it's the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit. Or then there's times where you're, you'll hear from God from your pastor, or from a friend, or from your parents, or maybe somebody in your small group says something, and it just, it just hits you, and you know that that's the voice of God speaking to you through them. Or maybe somebody texts you, and at the exact moment you needed it, they send you something, just an encouraging word, and that's God speaking to you via your friend, via text message. He wants to speak to us in all kinds of ways, including workout DVD instructors. Okay, now let me tell you how I know this to be true. A couple of months ago, I was working out. I got up early. Josh talked last week about how he likes to get up early, have his quiet time, and then work out. Well, I like to get up early, work out, and then have my quiet time because workout's kind of like coffee for me. It gets my blood moving. It gets me awake so that I don't fall asleep during quiet time. I've tried to do quiet time first, and I fail (laughs) miserably. Fall asleep, drool, it's not pretty. So I wake up, exercise, then have my quiet time. Well, this morning, a couple of months ago, I was going through my routine, getting, doing my workout, waiting, you know, I was going to meet with God here in a few minutes, but he started to talk to me through my workout DVD instructor. Now, I had done this DVD probably a hundred times. I am a creature of habit. Even though I knew the moves and knew how to do them all, probably had the DVD memorized, I still like that, that structure, that instruct, instructor there telling me what to do, making sure I do the right amounts of reps and things like that. I'm a rule follower. So I'm doing this DVD I've done a million times. And she says something that I've heard her say a million times. And when she says that, God starts to unpack something in my spirit. She says, don't compromise your form. Meaning, you're getting, we're getting ready to do an exercise with weights. Go over, pick up your weights, and make sure you pick up the right amount of weight. Because if you pick up weight that's too heavy, you're going to compromise your form and you're going to do the exercise wrong. And it's better if you would do the exercise with lighter weight and keep your form than it is if you pick up too much weight and you lose your form. And when, he said, don't com- when she said, don't compromise your form, I heard the Lord ask me, Sarah, how's your form? Has your form been compromised? And when he said that, I knew he wasn't asking about my deadlift form because, come on, that was on point, right? You can ask Josh. <laughs> Me and my 12-pound dumbbells are pretty legit. (laughs) But he wasn't talking about that form. He was talking about my soul. What's the status of your soul this morning? Are you tired? Are you burned out? Are you worn out? Are you trying to pick up more than you can carry? Has your form been compromised? And I knew he wasn't asking me that because he didn't know. He's God and he knows everything. He knows the secrets of my heart. He was asking me that because he wanted to get me thinking. He wanted me to wake up and start to realize 
yeah, I am. I am compromised. I am trying to carry too much. Help me. And so in the middle of that workout, he just began to speak to me and show me some things. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Now, any fitness expert or personal trainer knows that good form when you're working out or exercising, it's imperative. You have to do exercises with proper form. Now, most uh, personal trainers, they have a good form checklist for each kind of exercise that you could do, from push-ups to sit-ups to burpees to mountain climbers to weightlifting moves. They've got a good form checklist. They know like what angle your knees should be at. They know if your shoulders should be back or down or, or how much weight you should carry for each exercise. <clears throat> So each form's got its own, or each exercise has its own good form checklist. Now, I'm not a weightlifting expert, but generally speaking, if you're working with weights, let's say you're doing a bicep curl, the only joints that need to be working when you're doing a bicep curl are the joints attached to your bicep. So if you pick up too much weight, you're going to get other areas involved that aren't supposed to be involved. You'll start to get some hip action. You'll start to lift with your hips or maybe your, your back. And when you do that, injury can happen. This is why good form is so important. That's why my workout instructor via the DVD is always harping on your form because she knows that if you do the exercise wrong or that if you pick up too much weight, you're going to injure yourself. You're going to tear, tear something. Something's going to become misaligned. You're going to get bent out of shape. And I think there's a lot of Christians today that are bent out of shape because we are carrying more weight than we can carry on our own. We're picking up too much and we're trying to do too much and we're trying to do it by ourselves. So this morning, I want to talk to you about how we can get in sync, how we can line up with God, how we can go through life freely and lightly and with good form. So let's pray before we get started. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the promises that we're going to read this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you would just have your way here, that you would do what you want here, Lord that you would speak to people's hearts this morning, that you would show them if they're carrying too much, that you would, you would speak to them and show them what you have for them, what you've called them to do and how they can do it with you and only with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you've got your Bibles open there to Matthew chapter 11, look with me at verses 28 through 30. And I want you to notice when you're looking at this text that it's red letter text. That means that while Jesus was on the earth, he spoke these words. This is red letter. This is from Jesus. And we're going to read it in two translations because I couldn't decide which one I liked more. And I think it's okay to read scripture in church, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're going, to read the first transla- or we're going to read the first set in the message. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound good? Sounds so good. And then in the New Living, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. 
Now, what I want you to see here is that this is red letter and it's an invitation. The title of this message, if you're taking notes, is the red letter invitation. This is an invitation from Jesus. Now, Josh and I have three kids, so every year we're going to send out at least three invitations. And sometimes I take advantage of his graphic design background and I have him design like a Pinterest-worthy invitation for the kids' parties. And then sometimes, most of the time now that we have three kids, I just go to Walmart and pick up a generic pack of invitations that go along with the theme. We're doing Ninja Turtles, just go grab the pre-made Ninja Turtle invitations. And it doesn't matter if it's a Pinterest-worthy invitation or if it's a generic Walmart invitation, they need to include the same basic invitation text, okay? And that is who, what, when, where, and how they can RSVP to let you know if they're going to come to this event. The who would be the guest list. Who is invited to this party? Whose name's going to be on the outside of the envelope that you're sending out? The what is what are you inviting them to? Our daughter Sunny's going to turn three in December, so the what on that invitation will be you're invited to Sunny's third birthday party. The win would be the time, or the, the, yeah, the win would be the time and the date. It's going to be December 6th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the where would be the location. It's going to be at Build-A-Bear at Penn Square Mall, and, and then the RSVP, of course, would be my phone number. Let me know if you can or can't make it. So these are the basic things that you need to include on an invitation if you're inviting somebody to something and you want them to show up. So we're going to break down this red letter invitation from Jesus, look at these areas, and so that we can really get this, and so that we can show up to what he's inviting us to, okay? So the who. Who is this invitation? Who is the red letter invitation to? It's to all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now, that word weary is another word, in other translations, it can read labor, all who labor, all who weary. But it's not talking about people who have a job. It's not talking about people who need a nap. It's not talking about someone who stayed up really late watching Netflix and now they're tired or didn't get a good night's sleep last night. This is talking about someone who's giving everything they have to a project, to an assignment. They're striving, they're laboring, and their work has, it's turned into something that's wearisome exhausting and unending. They're tired, they're worn out because they're giving their all to something. I don't know what it could be for you this morning. Maybe it's parenting. I know for a lot of parenting, or a lot of parents, this is, this is how you feel a lot of the times. Your work becomes wearisome, exhausting, and unending. And your kids, you're pouring into them everything. And you're giving everything you have to them. Maybe it's a new business. Maybe you're trying to start something new. And, and it's taken a lot out of you. You want to be successful. Maybe it's trying to get a promotion at work. Maybe it's taking care of an elderly parent. Maybe it's a relationship that you have, somebody in your life that you're pouring into. You want to see them come to know the Lord. Maybe you're trying to start some amazing ministry to help kids or, or to help the homeless of Oklahoma City. I don't know what it is that you're giving everything to. Maybe it's nursing school. I don't know what it is this morning. What are you giving everything to that's got you feeling weary. And then it says those who carry heavy burdens, those who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Now that word heavy burdens, it paints this picture of a soldier carrying a backpack that they're required to carry as, as, as part of their career in the military. They've got a backpack that they carry around. Some of you today are burdened. You've got this backpack and you keep putting stuff in it or other people keep putting stuff in it that's weighing you down. And maybe it's a noble burden. Maybe it's, maybe it's, like I said, something incredible that you feel like God's called you to do. 
but you're carrying it all by yourself and it's heavy and it's wearing you out. This is who is invited to this event, all who are weary and heavy burdened. Now we talked earlier about how each exercise has a good form checklist. Well, Jesus has a good form checklist. And this is something that I always come back to because sometimes when you're in the middle of life and you're going and you're just waking up and going every day, it's hard to tell that you've become weary and that you've become heavy burdened. When I woke up that morning to work out, it wasn't like I felt that way. It was just God started to reveal it to me and, and, and I hadn't noticed it. He had to point it out to me. But here's a good form checklist that will help you to know if you have lost your form, if your form has been compromised. It's Galatians 5.22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When you start to see these areas slip, when you wake up and your joy is not there, when you are sharp and you're not gentle, when you lose your patience with people and you get angry easily, you can look at this and say, hey, my form is off. Maybe I'm picking up too much. Maybe I'm trying to carry more than I should be carrying right now. And you can't do that because it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt the people in your lives. So this is who's invited. All who are weary, all who carry heavy burdens. Now, what exactly are you being invited to? I love how it says it in the message. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And then in the new living, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So you're being invited to recover your life. You're being invited to recover your joy, to recover your peace, to recover your patience, to recover your kindness. You're being invited to come and rest, to get a real rest, not a temporary quick fix rest, but a real rest where your soul is rested. You're being invited to come and yoke up with Jesus. Now, what I love about this party is that it's a demonstration party. Anybody ever been to a demonstration party? I love demonstration parties. I remember going to a pampered chef party when I was probably 10 years old with my mom. And the host of the party brings out this big green Granny Smith apple. And she places it on this little contraption and then she starts to turn this handle. And as she turns, the apple is spinning and it's being peeled at the same time. And then when she's done, she has this long green peel. It's like a little spring and she gave it to me and I got to eat the apple peel. And I remember being like, mom, we have to get this apple peeler. And she was practical like I'm practical. And if my kids said we need to get the apple peeler, I was like, no, we'll never use that. We're getting the cheese grater. And so we went home with the cheese grater. But I love a good demonstration party where somebody not only is inviting you to something, but they're gonna show you something. They're gonna teach you something. And Jesus is inviting us to learn from him, to be yoked up with him, and he's gonna demonstrate how to do it. Now, I remember when I heard that word yoke as a kid, Josh and I talked about this last week, we would think of egg yolks. Like when my parents would say, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, I would always think of eggs. Like I'd, I'd kind of tune out what they were saying and thinking about egg yolks. But this is not what Jesus is saying. He's talking about a yoke. And a yoke in biblical times is a piece of wood that was used to join two animals, usually oxen, together. And this yoke would help these animals pull things that on their own would be difficult or impossible to pull. And so you'd yoke them together and they'd be able to pull uh, a heavier load together. 
Now, what's interesting about this is that they would uh, take a new ox and team them with an older ox, a veteran ox, an experienced ox, a steady ox. And this invitation, Jesus is inviting us, the young, the inexperienced, to yoke with him, the veteran, the pro, the steady, so that we can learn to do what he's called us to do, so that we can fulfill the purposes of our life. He wants us to be yoked with him. This is one of those things that almost seems too good to be true, but it's not. This is too good and true. This morning when we sang, there's no one like our God, there's never been anyone or anything like him, realize that God is the God who's saying, here, I invite you to come with me and be yoked with me. I will help you. you I will combine my strength with yours. That's an amazing invitation that he's extending to us. Now, I think sometimes we get this picture wrong. When we think about Jesus and working with him, some people think, okay, I'll sit in the cart, you do all the pulling, I'll just sit here and look pretty until the trumpet sounds. But that's not what he's saying. And I think some people see Jesus and they imagine him saying, here, you pull all this, you do all the work, I'll be back here whipping you, driving you so you don't quit. And that's not what he's saying. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I don't give you a pass to not carry burdens. And I'm not saying you don't, that you don't have to carry them all alone. He's saying we're only to carry burdens from him and those burdens are light and he's going to help us carry them. He wants to work with us. We're not to work alone and we're not to let him do all the work. We're to work together with Christ. It's amazing. I want you to know today, if you're taking notes, write this down. Christians aren't called to live a burden-free life. And I think sometimes when we hear the word burden, it's like it's a bad word. We don't want to have burdens because the Bible says we're to cast all of our cares on him. And the Bible says that we should worry about nothing and pray about everything, and those are true. That's not the kind of burdens this is talking about. Jesus doesn't want us to carry around burdens like fear, shame, regret. He doesn't want us to carry around the burden of having to live a perfect life. No, he came. He set us free from those burdens. But he does have a burden for you to carry. Notice in verse 30, he says, For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. He has a burden that he wants to give you. Now, Ephesians 4.1, if you've got your Bibles, you can flip over there. This is Paul. And Paul says, I'm a prisoner because of the Lord. So I am asking you to live a life worthy of of what God chose for you. I want you to hear me this morning. God has something that he's chosen for you to do. Something, some things that he's chosen for you to do. And Paul is begging you, I am begging you this morning to live a life worthy of what God's chosen you to do. And then in Ephesians 2.10, he says, we are God's creation. He created us to belong to Christ Jesus. Now we can do good works. Long ago, God prepared these works for us. Long ago, guys, before you were ever born, God sat down, if he sits down, I'm not sure, and he thought of what he wanted for you to do. Long ago, God prepared these works for you. He has work for you to do. Now, he doesn't need you to do work for him. He's God. He made the earth in six days. 
He doesn't need you. He could do anything he wanted, anytime he wanted to. But he has these works prepared for you. And he has an assignment for you because he knows that you are at your best when you are living a life of serving and when you are living a life of giving. And that's why he wants to invite you to come to him and he wants to give you this burden because he knows that a purpose-driven life, that when you get your purpose from God and you walk in that purpose, that that is your best life. That is you at your best when you're living and serving. But he also knows that you can't do it without him. The burden he gives you is light, but the burden he gives you, you aren't able to do on your own. If you can do your life assignment without God, it's not God's life assignment for you. He created you to do something, and he created you to do it in a way that you can't do it without being yoked to him. He wants you to be teamed up with him, okay? I got to read this. This is the, my most favorite thing that I read in studying for this message, and I read a lot of stuff. It says, Christ yoke is like feathers to a bird, not loads, but helps to motion. Whenever Christ gives you a burden, it's not a crushing, this is impossible, this is hard, this is heavy. It's like he's giving you feathers. It's like feathers to a bird that sets you to motion. When you sync up with God and you take that burden that he has for you, it's like he's giving you wings so you can fly, so you can live the life that he dreamed for you to live. So all who are weary and heavy burden, come and recover your life. Come and be yoked up with me. His yoke is easy. It's good. It's helpful. It's kind. And it's profitable. So when is this recover your life party? This is important to know. You don't want to show up to the party on the wrong day. I'll tell you when the party is. It's all day, every day. Right? All day, every day. In the Lord's Prayer, when, when Jesus is teaching the disciples to, to pray, he says, pray like this. And one of the lines he says is, this is, and one of the lines he says is, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And then later he refers to himself as the bread of life. We are daily to show up to this party. It's always going on. It never stops. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. So when you are weary and when you are heavy burdened, you can come, you can show up. The doors are open. It's all day, every day. Now, where is the party? You got to know where you're going, right? Where is the party? Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. The party is at Jesus' place. That's where this party's at. He says, come to me. Charles Spurgeon once said that come was Jesus' favorite word. If you ever are looking for something to study, go through, go through the Gospels and see how many times Jesus said Come. He was always telling people to come to him. But I think it's our first response to go when we're tired. We're going to go on vacation. We're going to go shop. We're going to go get a manicure. We're going to go take a nap. We're going to go watch Netflix. We're going to go take a bath, whatever. We're, our first response when we're tired is to go and to get away. And that's all fine and well and good. We need to rest. Obviously, we believe in Sabbathing. But it's not going to do you any good if you don't come. First, we have to come to Jesus. We got to sync up with him. We got to show up. We got to get in his presence and let him give us rest, give us true rest. Now, I think when we think of rest, we think of naps. We think of beach vacations. But rest is not a location. Rest is not a destination. 
Rest can be found in the middle of your crazy day. It can be found in the middle of your, your, your work, your to-do list, the busyness. It can be found in the middle of screaming children because rest is found in a person. Rest is found in Jesus. That's why he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Not go on vacation and you'll get rested. Come to me. When you are tired, when you are weary, when you need to recover your life, you've got to come to Jesus. So all who are weary and tired and carry heavy burdens, you're invited to recover your life all day, every day, away with Jesus. Come to Jesus. Now, you've got to RSVP. You've got to let God know that you are in. The other day, I got an invitation in the mail for a baby shower, and on the RSVP line, it says, regrets only. Listen, guys, this invitation is too good, and it's true. Don't send him your regrets. I think sometimes we do that unintentionally. We get so tired and so busy that we say, sorry, can't make it, Jesus. Can't make it today. Can't, get, take, can't take the time to get synced up with you. Can't take the time to, 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 to find out what you have for me in mind today. I'm sending you my regrets. I'm telling you guys, if you send him your regrets when it comes to this invitation, you will go to your grave with regrets. You cannot live the life that God has planned for you if you don't RSVP to this invitation. Listen, I'm learning this too. I'm learning that God has things that he wants me to do. He has a plan and a purpose and a vision for my life that's bigger than anything I could ask, think, or hope. And the same is true for you. But I'm learning that if I don't come to him, if I don't say yes daily, there's no way I'm going to fulfill that. And I'll go to my grave with regret. So RSVP, say, yes, Lord, I am coming. I am showing up. I accept this invitation and I will be there because I want to do what you've called me to do. Now, when you, excuse me, when you RSVP to a party, when you say, yes, I'm showing, I'll be there, you got to do two things after that. The two things you do when, after you RSVP, you got to show up. If you're taking notes, write that down. You got to show up. If we RSVP to one of our kids' birthday parties, we got to show up to the birthday party. We got to get the address to the party, put it in our phone, and figure out how to get there. So this party that Jesus is inviting you to, he's asking you to show up to, you got to put your directions into your GPS and figure out how to get there. So when you put in me, what, what comes up? Where is Jesus located? Let me show you this. Hebrews 4.16. I think it'll be up on the screen. So let us keep on coming boldly to the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus' address is 1128 Throne of Grace Lane. That's what you put in when you're trying to get to Jesus. You got to go to the throne of grace. Now understand that Jesus' spirit lives in you, but Jesus lives in heaven. He's done here. He is seated at the right hand of his father in heaven at the throne of grace. So that's where you find Jesus. So you put that location into your GPS, and you're going to get one direction, one simple direction, worship. That's how you get to the throne of grace. I'm telling you guys, worship is the fastest no construction, no tolls, no wrong turns. It's the fastest way, the fastest route to get to the throne of grace. If you want to get to the throne of grace, worship will bring you right up there. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. 
If you want to get to the throne of grace, if you want to show up, you got to worship. That's how you get there. Now, uh, and here's, here's, here's the thing about, about getting to the throne of grace. I think sometimes people get intimidated by that. There's kind of like a starstruck intimidation, or maybe it's you don't feel like you're worthy to be there. Maybe you feel like you're showing up to this party and you're not invited, or you're not sure if you're invited, or you're not sure what you should wear. Is this acceptable? And, and, and we kind of psych ourselves up when it comes to approaching God, when it comes to going to the throne. And he knows this. He knows that this can, can mess with people. So he says, come boldly to the throne of grace. I remember when Josh and I were dating, and even when we were first newlywed, uh, you may not know this about your pastor, but the man can shop. He loves to shop. Every weekend, it's like, what do you want to do? Go to the mall. Duh. Like, he loves to shop. And he has since we were dating. And Woodland Hills Mall in Tulsa, it did not satisfy his hunger for fashion. And so we would take day trips to Dallas, and we'd go shop in Dallas. And there was a store there called Urban Outfitters. Anybody know Urban Outfitters? For those of you who don't know, it's, it's real hipster, trendy, more now so than it was 10 years ago. But we didn't have one in Tulsa, and we just thought they were the coolest store. So we would save our Christmas money, we would save our birthday money, and we would go to Dallas, and we'd spend all day at the two-story Urban Outfitters on Mockingbird Lane. We'd just hang out there all day, go home with a bunch of clothes. Well, once we had kids, our fashion for, or our passion for fashion kind of fizzled out. <laughs> we weren't as into shopping anymore. What we were passionate about was making Gus look really cute, and we were, we were all into our kids and making sure that they had really fun clothes. It, would, it just turned into a passion for clothes for our kids. And so we hadn't been to an Urban Outfitters in probably five, six years. I remember we had two kids at this time, so it had at least been yeah, at least five or six years since we'd been in an Urban Outfitters. But we're in Dallas. We're doing some back-to-school shopping for Gus. He's going to start preschool. He's got to look awesome. So we go to Dallas, and, and we're shopping, and we pass the Urban Outfitters, and we're like, let's go in. I've never felt so out of place in my life. I was, I, I, I had a double stroller, a huge double stroller. It looked like a total soccer mom. And I'm bumping into things with the stroller. Things are falling off their weird little displays that they have and covering Gus's eyes so he won't see the, the album covers that, that are there. And the people that work, are working there are not welcoming. They're looking at us like, get out of here. You are ruining the vibe here. Like, you guys have taken a bath, and we can't have people that have taken a bath, like, in here. This is for dirty, grungy, cool people. So you need to leave. And so we left quickly. We walked in, knocked over a couple things, and walked right back out. And I think that sometimes the enemy wants us to feel like a mom with a double stroller at Urban Outfitters when we approach the throne of God. He wants us to get there and feel like, what am I doing here? And leave. He wants us to come and go quickly or not come at all. But I'm telling you this morning, and Jesus is telling you to come boldly and to keep on coming boldly to the throne of God. Do you know why Satan wants you to feel out of place at the throne? Because God is an amazing host and he sends you back with party favors, two party favors, with grace and with mercy. You go boldly to the throne and you leave with grace and mercy to fulfill the things that he has for you to fulfill that day. I'm telling you guys, we've got to come boldly to the throne. Now look at this, what this means, boldly. Because I think some people can maybe misunderstand that word. We think we can just roll up to the throne of grace and be like, Jesus is my homeboy. It's not, it's not familiarity. It's not dishonor. Here's what boldly means. It's that we may come constantly, 
that we can come without reservation, without second-guessing ourselves. We can come without fancy words. You don't have to come to the throne and, and have just the perfect vocabulary, okay? You can come with confidence, and you should come with persistence. Come boldly to the throne. Here's why you belong. Here's why you can come boldly. Not because you came to church this morning. Not because you paid your tithes last week. Not because you serve and you volunteer. Not because you're a good person. You are invited to come boldly to the throne because Jesus Christ shed his blood and paid the price for you to be there. So don't let the devil get in your head and psych you out and keep you from coming boldly to the throne of grace, all right? So we gotta show up. The second thing that we gotta do after we RSVP to this invitation is we gotta bring a gift. Everyone knows that when you go to a party, you're invited to a party, you gotta bring a gift. Even for those parties that the parents say, no presents, just your presents. You, if, especially if it's a little kid. The little kid does not care about your presents. They want presents. And so you just know, you gotta bring a gift when you go to a party. What gift do we bring to this party? I'll tell you, if you're taking notes, write this down. This is good. This is big. You got to bring a gift. You got to bring the gift of your will. What Jesus wants when you show up to this party is your will. He wants your submitted heart. And here's what that looks like. A submitted heart is saying, God, your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are better than my ways. And I want to do this your way. So I'm going to bow my head and I'm going to put this yoke of yours on me. I submit my plans to you. This is what he asks you to bring. Just a submitted heart. Anybody can bring a submitted heart. I love that. It doesn't, you don't have to be rich. You don't have to be in ministry. You don't have to have an amazing background. You don't have to have a, your family life all together. All you need to bring is a submitted heart. We all have that gift. We all have that, that we're avail that's available for us to give. A submitted heart is, is asking questions like, God, is this what you have for me right now? God, is this your plan for me right now? Is this a yes? Is this a no? Is this a wait? It's just asking questions. That's why it's so important that we know how to hear the voice of God because he wants to give us direction. And if we're not listening, he can't give us a direction. And if we don't have that direction, then we can't submit our hearts to him. So it's important that we're connecting with God and asking him questions. When I think of this submitted heart, and how it works with Jesus helping us fulfill the things that he has for us. Jesus just brought a couple of things to my mind this week. One being a couple years ago, he gave me a burden to start a blog, a, a 365-day blog. Every day for 365 days, holidays, on vacation, if I was sick, no matter what, I wrote a blog, wrote a devotional, and then I listed 27 or 28 things I had to be thankful for. So he gave me this idea, and I knew it was him. I knew this was him saying, here, I'm giving you this burden, this burden to help people to be thankful, this burden to help people um, to, to help mothers heal those who have lost babies. He'd given me this burden. And so I said, okay, I submit. I'm going to do this. I'm not going to ask a bunch of questions like, what does this look like? What if nobody reads this? What, what if... What if I don't feel like doing it one day? I just said, okay, I submit. I'll do this. And when I gave him my submitted heart, he gave me the grace I needed to do that. And it was easy, and it was light, and it was so fulfilling. One of the most fulfilling things I've ever done in my life. 
but I couldn't have done it without submitting to him. When we submit to him and we say, okay, this is your plan, I'm going to do this. Even though I had two kids, part-time job, I look back at that, that, that year sometimes and think, how did I do that? There's no way I could do that every day this, at this point in my life. But I could do it that year because God had given me grace and it was part of his burden for me that year. And then I think about other things where he said no. He said, I remember after I finished the blog, I wanted to turn into a book. And I felt like he told me to write a book. And so I started working on that. And then quickly after that, we started talking about planting the church. And I remember one day in prayer, praying about the book, trying to submit my heart to God about the book. And I, I, I clearly remember him saying three things. This is what you need to focus on this year. Planting the church, loving your kids, and loving your husband. The book was not in that list. Of course, I wanted it to be. Because I was excited about it, and, and it, it was something that I felt like I was called to do and feel, still feel like I'm called to do. But I submitted my heart to God and said, okay, I put that project on the shelf because I want your will. Here's my submitted heart. I want to do things your way. So that's what God wants from you, a submitted heart. Now look at this, Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. Remember that. Give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. And then in verse 2, he says, then you will know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God's will for you is good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. So really, when you're submitting your heart to God, you're giving him that gift, but he's giving you a much greater gift. He's giving you the good and pleasing and perfect will. Now, we said that word, those words, your bodies. Give your bodies. I want you to know here, when it's talking about your bodies, it's talking about your whole self. Give your whole self to God. Every good party includes a hokey pokey. Am I right? You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out. You put your right hand in and you shake it all about. And then you get to the end and you put your whole self in. And you put your whole self out. You put your whole self in and you shake it all about. Well, here at this party, God is saying, put your whole self in. Submit all of yourself to me. And when you do that, when you give me every dream, every desire, every passion that you have, then you become a walking advertisement for the good and perfect and pleasing will of God. That is some good news right there. Submit your whole selves to him. Now, anybody here used to own a WWJD bracelet? Anybody got one on right now? If you do, I'll, I'll give you a prize. No? Darn. Okay. Well, those used to be really trendy when I was in junior high. Like every kid, Christian and not so much Christian, had the WWJD bracelet. I remember when we went to Mardell's one day and my mom let me pick out a black one. And I thought it was so cool because I had my WWJD bracelet on. The funny thing is, those are supposed to make you stop and think, what would Jesus do? And I distinctly remember being at some parties with some of my friends who were rocking their WWJD bracelets and thinking, yeah, that's not what Jesus would be doing right now. You should probably take that bracelet off. And I think it's a good idea. It's a good thought. It's a good, it's a good thing to get people thinking. But I think what would have been a better idea would have been a WDJD bracelet. Not what would Jesus do, but what did Jesus do? Because Jesus came and walked this earth. He put on skin, and he walked this earth for 30 years. And his work is a finished 
work. And because we get to see what he did do while he was here, we never have to wonder what he would do. And so when you start to feel burdened and you find yourself thinking, what would Jesus do? I want you to know that you can go to the word and you can find out what Jesus did do. What Jesus did do. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. Now, my favorite passage of scripture is Luke 22. I think I've preached six or seven times now, and three out of the six have this passage in it. Every time I read it, it it just does something to me. It just stirs me. In fact, I was reading it at Starbucks the other day and just crying. I'm sure the people at Starbucks were like, what is wrong with that poor girl? But it's just so powerful. This is Jesus in his... Moments before he's going to be betrayed by Judas, moments before he gets arrested, days before he gets crucified, and he's in the garden. And we get to see what Jesus did do when he was carrying the ultimate burden, the burden to save the world, the burden to win back God's family, the burden to make right what the devil had made so, so wrong. We see Jesus carrying this burden. And in that backpack that he's carrying, he's got all of our sin in it. All of our sin and the sin of the whole world. And it's weighing on him. He is weary and he is heavy burdened. And I want you to know, whatever your burden is today, being a mom, starting a business, planting a church, starting an organization to help people, adopting Whatever your burden is today, he understands more than anyone else what it feels like to be heavy burdened and to be weary. Look with me at verse 39. It says, then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. So what did Jesus do when this burden was weighing on him? One, he showed up. He went to the throne of grace. We see, here him, we see him here submitting, saying, Father, if you were willing, Please take this cup of suffering from me. He went to the throne. He knelt down in the garden and he went boldly to his father and said, Father, I need you. He showed up. And then we see that he gave the gift of his submitted heart. Let your will be done, Father, not my will. He said, if you are willing, take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. He's showing up and he's saying, here, Lord, here's my submitted heart. Your ways are better than my ways. I'm sure Jesus could probably think of a million other ways he'd rather save the world than to die on the cross. But he said, nope, your will over my will. This is my submitted heart. And look what happened when he did that. When he showed up and when he submitted his heart, an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Listen, when you go to God, when you give him your heart, he will help you. He will send you supernatural help for you to fulfill the purposes of your life. When we choose God's will over our own, 
there will always, always be supernatural provision if necessary to help us carry it out. Are you tired today? Are you worn out? Are you heavy burdened? How's your form? How's your joy? How's your patience? How's your peace? Maybe you're burdened today, this morning, because as you're listening to this, you're going, I don't know what my life assignment is. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard that God has good works prepared for you, that he has things that he thought he thought of, the assignments that he thought of your face when he came up with those assignments. Maybe you never knew that. And maybe right now you're feeling a burden of like, I should really have like a purpose for my life. Yeah. And he wants to give you that this morning. He wants to give you that. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever burden you're carrying this morning, know that he understands and he is inviting you with a red letter invitation to come to him, to recover your life, to be yoked with him so you can fulfill the purpose that he has for you. Listen to me. Somebody here needs to hear this. You feel like you've disqualified yourself to carry the burden that Jesus has for you to carry. No, don't listen to that. That is not true. That is the enemy. You haven't disqualified yourself. Maybe you did disqualify yourself, but Jesus' blood qualifies you. His blood qualifies you. You are qualified. And he doesn't just have a burden for me. He doesn't just have a burden for Pastor Josh or for David. He has a burden for every one of you. Don't let that scare you. Because his burden is like feathers to a bird and it sets you to motion to live the best life, the life that he's called you to live. If you would stand to your feet with me this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.